joining us for the first time. Uh, we are on the second week, part two of our Hebrews chapter eight series and uh, Hebrews Romans chapter eight series. And Romans chapter eight is such a power packed chapter in Scripture. Uh, we uh, another name for this series, we're calling it the Christian life because this one chapter really sums up with such clarity and power the Christian life that God has called us to. And last week we unpacked it and talked about a little bit more of um, talked about uh, how we have the power to overcome our sinful nature. And then this week we're in Romans chapter eight, verses 12 through 17, 12 through 17. We're going to unpack that a little bit. We'll also be in Ephesians chapter one for a little while, and we're going to dive in there in just a few moments. Sound good? Very good. I'm going to pray for us, ask God to speak to our hearts here today, um, and uh, we're just going to jump right in. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word, your truth, your power. Thank you for uh, songs that just allow our heart to remember who you are, God. That even though that we may be weak, you are strong. God, when we are doubting, you are fully sure of who you are. And God, that your grace is sufficient for us. I pray that you would speak to our hearts God, I pray that uh, this morning, that if somebody is carrying something that they feel is just way too heavy, I pray that they could take a deep breath and place it at your feet here this morning. I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that I will decrease so that you may increase. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. So uh, I, I don't know about you, but I, the way that I grew up, uh, I kind of was, the, I believe, one of the last generations that grew up where you were basically raised outside. Right. Like uh, you just lived outside all of the time. In fact, it was a day and time where you could lock the screen door. We had one of those screen doors and I would go outside in the morning and that door would get locked. Right. And you would just play outside the rest of the day. And I remember uh, knocking on the screen door, asking my mom, say, hey, mom, I'm thirsty. And all I hear was a voice from the kitchen. There's water, there's water in the hose, right? Like, and so you go outside, you drink water from the hose. It was all that good stuff. That's how I got a good immune system, right? Is drinking all, whatever's in the hose. Um, but just experiencing that, and it reminds me of my childhood, but the reason I, I think about that is because I think all of us have this idea uh, when you hear the word family, when you hear the word family, this idea may come to your mind. And honestly, I think if we were to go around the room and I were to ask every single person as an individual, what comes to mind when you think of family? We would get probably a different answer almost for every single person, right? There may be some similarities, but there, the way we were raised, the family we came from, will kind of give a picture of what we describe as family, right? And then maybe the family we're a part of now or the family that we're thinking about later on uh, will start to depict of what that should look like. Or maybe we will point to a TV show, right? And go, that TV show, show I used to watch that as a kid and that helped uh, shape the way that I see family and what that looks like and what should it look like, right? And so because I think, especially in the church world, we toss around this idea and this term family, family of God. And, and what, you know, on our sign as you drive in, it says, welcome home, right? And if you're on the outside looking in, you may go, well, what does that mean? Because you may come in and go, well, I think family looks this way. And if the Christian family is any way that I'm picturing family, I'm not sure I, I want that. 
right? Because we're, we're tossing around these ideas because for some of us, we may have a family thought and it's positive and it's yes and it's, it was so good. But I honestly even believe even if you came from a great family, you quickly realize there's a lot of flaws, Right? Like not everybody's perfect and there's some things that you had to work through. But then for some of us, when we think about the idea of family, maybe it doesn't paint a great picture. Maybe it even paints a negative picture and it brings up some um, anger or some resentment or some struggles that we may have. And I think for us as Christians, um, and maybe you're just checking this Jesus thing out, this church thing out, and you get to peek in a little bit of, of what the Christian family, what we're called to, and what God has called us to. Because anytime you and I go to read Scripture, we, we, it's almost, I would even argue, it's practically impossible for us not to bring all of our preconceived notions, right? Like everything that we have, all of our baggage, the way we view life, the way we uh, you know, read the Bible, we read it through the lens of almost like our preconceived notions, right? But one of the purest ways that you and I can read Scripture, one of the purest ways that we can approach God is to try to lay all that to the side and go, okay, what does God say? And then allow what God says then to shape those areas of my life. Because I try to bring all of that stuff in and then I'm like, okay, how does this fit into this and this fit into that? And God's going, hey, when we surrender our lives to Christ, the old me is gone, right? And I'm raised to walk a new life in Christ. And what this new life looks like, God begins to define it and to shape it. And so in Romans chapter 8, we get to unpack what this new life in Christ looks like. And last week, we really uh, unpacked a little bit of that we have two different desires in us. We have a sinful desire that just trying to pull us away from God. And then we have the Holy Spirit, which is God dwelling in believers that gives us power to overcome those sinful desires and gives us strength and pulls us into the image of God. And so we have those two working in our hearts and in our lives and outside of Christ, we're left to our own willpower to overcome those sinful desires. But in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit, which is the living God dwelling in us, giving us strength and power to overcome the sin that is in our life. And we see that even here in the verses we're going to read. But then the Apostle Paul, as he's writing Romans 8, he takes it a step further. And it begins to paint a picture of what you and I are called to. What God ushers us into. And my hope is that when we read this and talk about it here today, is that we can take everything that we're thinking of when we think of family, when we think of children, when we think of our relationship with God, we can almost begin to un maybe even unpack some things maybe that we're holding on to and then approach God with this fresh vision of what he wants for us in our relationship with him. Does that sound good? Awesome. Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to start reading here in verse 12 and read through verse 17. And it reads like this. It says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. And that's what we talked about last week. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds in your sinful nature. You will live. And that's when he's talking about spiritually speaking, we're alive in Christ. The Holy Spirit leads us towards life and that our sinful desire is going to lead towards death. And we see that when sin 
is full grown, it leads to death. And, and that can happen in our relationships and happen whatever it may be uh, when we pursue that route versus what God has for us. And then he says something here in verse 14. This is where we got to lean in, buck up a little bit because it's so good, it's so powerful. Verse 14, it says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So if you, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share and his suffering. God begins to give us a picture here through the Apostle Paul of what he has called Christians into. He said, when you give your life to Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit and you're, you're, the Holy Spirit uh, works with our spirit to remind us that we're Christians. And it's the seal of our salvation. We talked a little bit about that last week as well. That the Holy Spirit reminds us who we are in Christ and reminds us of our spirit of who we are. But then he says this, If you are led by the Spirit, if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, then you are a child of God. You have God living in us, and that's the reminder for you and I, the power that you would have. And then he starts to use this term, children of God. And he says, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba Father. And he gives us a, a picture here of two different things. He says one is, sometimes we can view our relationship with God as this fearful, I can't mess up. If I do mess up, I'm in trouble. God's going to rain down fire and His wrath on me. And so that causes me to live life in fear. It causes me to kind of walk around with eggshells going, ooh, I want to say the wrong thing. I want to do the wrong thing. And I'm just fearful of what God's going to do to me. And I think if either one of any of us, uh, if we walk in fear long enough, we realize this is not the life that I, I should be living because fear causes almost this chaos and it causes this almost even trauma response in our brain to where we're going fight or flight all the time. And God is going, I have not given you that kind of spirit where you have to walk around as this fearful moment in your lives. And I think about in my house, if I have somebody that comes over to my house and say they're working on the floor, uh, about a year ago we had some flooding happen. Somebody left, I'll rename, 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 name nameless, left the sink on upstairs and we had some flooding come all the way down. And so we had some people come in and they had to work on our house. Right. And so if the people were coming in, they were like cutting holes in the ceiling and putting little things in there and it was blow the air to dry the ceiling off. Now, if one of those guys, while they were working, walked into my kitchen, opened up my refrigerator, grabbed my favorite Reese's cup and opened it and started eating it, I would go, hold on a second. Right. Like, like, what are you doing? Like, this is not your house. But my kids, they fling the door open, they run inside, they open the pantry, right? And they don't even try to slow the pantry door down. They fling open the refrigerator and they're just grabbing. Why? Because it's their house, right? Like those are my kids. This is, and, and that would be completely um, open for them to do that. But if for somebody else to come in that's not their house, I would go, hang on a second. That's crazy. And the Apostle Paul is going, when you come to God... It's not like you're this outsider, this this fearful person who comes up. He's going, no, no, no. 
You're a child of God. And when you have given your life to Jesus, he adopts you into his family. And if you're taking notes, is when we are adopted into the family of God, you get to exchange your fear for freedom. Now, remember Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, when I come to God, I don't have to come to God in fear and trembling of going, oh, oh, no, God, let me, let me just let me just stand back. I hope you don't I hope you don't mess me up. Right. And all of these different pieces. But God is going, no, I want you to come to me as my child. You can come right to the throne room of God into his very presence whenever we need him. In Hebrews chapter four, it says this. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Isn't that so good? He says, no, come boldly to my throne. You're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. Don't come to me in fear, but I want you to come to me in freedom of knowing that I want a relationship with you. And we have this, if you're taking notes again, it, it, when you are adopted into the family of God, you get access to our heavenly father. That we have this access to him because we're his child. Not only that, he wants to hear from us. He longs to hear from us. That's why he sent his one and only son to die on the cross to set you free, to set me free, so that we don't have to view God as this fearful person walking around going, oh no, I messed up. But no, I view God of going, oh no, I messed up. I need to go to God. He's going to help me out. I need to go. I messed up. I've strayed. I need to go to God because he's going to give me the grace to overcome it. Right. And the enemy is going to try to tell us, no, 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 you have enough strength. You can do it on your own. Keep pushing, keep trying, keep fighting. But God is going, no, you're my child. Come to me. I, I will give you the grace that you need to walk into that. And he replaces that fear with freedom. And God, we see in Scripture all the time. And if you're thinking about it, we talk about the fear of God, the fear of God, the fear of God. And the only person that we have to fear is God. And what the fear of God that he is talking about is this awe, this reverence of going, God is holy. Ooh, God is great. He is magnificent. He breathed out stars. He, he created all of this, right? The galaxies and the universe and you and I, and he knit all of this together. And we see the beauty that we have around us. And we come to God in this holy expectation that he is working inside of our lives. And so that's the, the fear and the awe and the reverence we come to him, but yet we can come to him as a child and, and knowing that I am the, the child of God and I can bring him whatever I have that is on my life and on my heart and on my mind. I can bring it all to him. And I'll tell you a secret. He already knows, right? He is all knowing, but he wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with me. And this is where I think it, it the, the tension begins to build in our relationship with God. Because if we grew up in a family where maybe we didn't have access to our parents or maybe we didn't have access or maybe uh, fear was more of the thing that was pushed, right? Fear or control or whatever that may be. And God begins to 
paint a picture of going, no, I have given you the spirit of freedom. I want a relationship with you. I want you to bring me your problems. I want you to bring me your concerns. I want you to bring all of that to me because God is our perfect father. Everybody else is going to fall short. I am going to fall short as a father, as a parent, as a friend, as a husband. I am going to fall short. So the greatest thing that I can do is direct people to Jesus. Direct people to God. He is the perfect father. And there's something that we see that when we're adopted into the family of God, that it brings God great joy to have you a part of his family. And I think even that in itself is, we have to digest that a little bit, right? Of going, wow, God delights and has joy that I'm in his family. Then he looks at you through the lens of Jesus Christ and goes, wow, that's my son. That's my daughter in Christ. Ephesians tells us that we are God's masterpiece. I can't even wrap my head around that. That God is looking to us and he's pointing to the angels of going, see what my grace can do when he points to you and I. And we see this in Ephesians chapter 1. And it says this in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Everybody still doing okay? Very good. You still look good. So, you know. Ephesians 1 verse 3, it says, All praise to God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. It gave him great pleasure to bring us into the family of God, that we see this holy moment. Not only that, he says this, when you come into the family of God, it says that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. How good is that? We become into the family of God and now we get to step into uh, the son and the daughtership. And you know what happens when a son or a daughter walks into sonship? Then what? We inherit what our parents have, right? Like we inherit, they're going to pass down what they have. And so we are heirs and co-heirs in Christ. So God says, you're going to inherit all of the spiritual blessings that come through Jesus Christ as the adopted family of God. There's this uh, funny little story when they talked to this guy who was a millionaire and they asked and they said, oh, you're a millionaire. Uh, what does it take to become a millionaire? And he goes, oh, hard work, sleepless nights. You got to pinch every penny. You got to save. You got to work extra. And then he says, also, uh, it's really nice when your parents leave you $995,000, right? When you inherit $995,000, right? And it's this idea that the money was inherited to him, that he didn't work for it, but yet he got to walk in the inheritance. And I think that's hard sometimes for us to wrap our brain around, that you're as a Christian, as an adopted son and daughter of God, you get to walk in the inheritance of Jesus Christ. That He gives you every spiritual blessing 
that you and I need to live a godly life. And I want to give you just a short list here. This is not an exhausted list at all. This is a short list that what you and I inherit, not only what we inherit, but what we can live into right now. The first one is, is God's presence and power through the Holy Spirit that's living with us. We have access to God and the, the literal God, the creator of the universe dwells in you and I. I mean, I could stop there and pray. We go home. That's good right there, right? But then he continues on. We get the forgiveness of God. We can bring all of our shortcomings, all of our failures, no matter what we have done, we can bring it to the feet of Jesus if we truly repent and turn from our hearts and say, God, will you take this from me? He is faithful to forgive us. He is faithful to take that off of us. Then he gives us the armor of God. Right. He gives us what we need to resist the enemy, to resist the sinful desires and gives us power over that. Then he produces the fruits of the spirit that are in us right here on earth. Right. Like we don't produce that. We surrender to the spirit. And then as I begin to follow the spirit, then the love begins to produce joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, right? Like all of these different things. We could spend a whole series just on the fruits of the Spirit, right? We could spend a whole series just on the armor of God and experience what He has for us. We, you and I, have the promise of heaven. We have the promise of heaven that we will live forever will with God that every single person in this room uh, we're going to have a moment where we stand before God and we get to experience in Christ we get to inherit heaven also James 1 says if we ask God ask our father he will give us wisdom then he gives us spiritual gifts to operate and to serve and to equip the church with. He's saying, I'm giving you a gift so that you can equip the church, right? And your gift may not be my gift, but when we all use our gift, we're equipping and building the body of Christ up together in Christ. And then God says this, or the Apostle Paul says this here in Romans chapter 8. And he says, now we call him Abba, Father. He said, I don't give you the the spirit of fear. In fact, you're going to move into sonship and you can call God Abba, Father. And there was a a Christian leader who said that really didn't click with him until he visited the Holy Land. And when he was walking the streets in the Holy Land over in the Middle East, and uh, all of a sudden he heard this young boy come running up and he came around the corner. And as he was turning the corner, he was chasing after his dad and he was yelling, Abba, Abba, Abba. You could just hear that. And in that moment, it clicked in his mind of going, wow. That's what that's what the Apostle Paul is trying to tell us. For us, it would be daddy or poppy or papa, which when we think about our relationship with God, or maybe you had a relationship with your father or your parents. And it's like, oh, it just doesn't feel right. Like, can I actually call the creator of the universe? Dad, daddy, poppy, like pop, like, oh, but what he's trying to paint a picture is saying we have that intimate relationship with God. Not only do we have that. But God wants that with you. He wants you to come to him. I love the low country so much. And I love going out and praying by my river. It's so pretty, isn't it? Like I sit out there and I just hope a dolphin comes and jumps. I'm like, please. Right. And so you're I just picture you and I were sitting there on one of the benches looking out at May River. And then I think we need to picture God who's willing to come sit down on the bench right next to us. And he puts his arm around us. He goes, hey, tell me what's going on. 
Tell me what's hurting. Tell me everything that you're wrestling with. He's like, I want to know. He's like, I got all the time in the world. Just just unleash it right here. I can handle it. Just let me know. And I think about that intimate moment with God. And we can have that at any moment, at any time with him. You are never bothering him. You are, he is never rushed. You can never offload anything onto him where he's like, whoa, that's too much. Whoa, whoa, hold on, hold the phone here. No, we can all bring everything to him. And in fact, he longs for it. He wants that relationship with you. He wants you to come to him and say, I'm struggling with this, Dad. Can you help me out? Can you walk? Can you give me wisdom for what this looks like? Can you show me the way? I'm, I'm, ooh, I'm feeling this temptation this week, God. And I just don't know. I just really need your help with this. He's going, okay, son, here. Okay, daughter, let me show you this. Let me, let me, here's a piece of scripture you read last week. And that, or he may bring somebody along with you to walk through this path. But for you and I to walk in the sonship and the daughtership of that intimate relationship that we have with God, that we are heirs and co-heirs in Christ. But then he finishes here. And I would love to preach the beginning of verse 17 because this preaches real hard, right? Verse 17. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Ooh, that'll preach good, right? Like if we can just pray it up, close it up there. But then he says, if you're going to share in his glory, he says, but if we're to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. And it's like, come on, God, can we just left that part out. Like, you know, just sneak past that, just continue on. But the Apostle Paul knows more than I would say almost any Christian, because he spent so much of his life in prison in chains because he would not let go of the gospel. He would not let go of proclaiming the gospel with his mouth and with his life. And for you and I, if you're taking notes, Christians will share in God's suffering while we were here on this side of heaven. And the reason why we know that is because of all the people who have gone before us. But I think if there's people in the room who have been following Christ enough to know that this world falls short. Right. Like this is a sinful world. Not only do our bodies fall short, but this world falls short. The people around us fall short. Right. And we're going to experience suffering on this side of heaven. We see it all over Scripture. John chapter 16 says that he says that um, that you will face trials and sorrows. But he says, take heart because I've already overcome the world and that's the spirit that's dwelling in you. But you're going to experience the suffering. But also in that in John chapter 15, Jesus is teaching his disciples. And I think sometimes we don't talk about this enough because when you and I become a Christian, there is an enemy, the devil and demons and our own sinful desire are working against us. They're working against the Christian life because they don't want us to walk in the freedom that we have in Christ. And Jesus is teaching and he says this in John chapter 15. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is no greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they keep my word, they will also keep yours. That you and I, there's going to be moments when we surrender our lives to Jesus. When the world is going to go, oh. There may be some people in the room that lose their jobs. There may be some students in the house where your friends have stopped being your friend 
because you're a Christian. I mean, some of you may even have walked through family members who've said, oh, you're a Christian now? I, I don't, don't worry about coming to Christmas. We see it happen over and over again. And, and honestly, in America, it, it used to be where it, you said you're an American and then like a Christian was attached to it. That was almost like went hand in hand. But we've lost the Christian umbrella now. And so now you're swimming upstream if you're a Christian. And there's going to be moments where you and I are going to be tested. Our faith is going to be tested. But can I tell you this? You're like Debbie Downer, great Daniel. Take your life talking about this. But here's what I know. Is that God uses suffering for His glory. And I would even argue more than any other thing on this side of heaven. It's because in the suffering, people begin to see, oh, your faith is real. Whew, your faith is being thrown into the fire right now and it's being purified. I call it like a Matthew 7 type moment, right? Where you have two houses built. And when you look at these two houses, they look good, right? One's built on sand. One's built on the rock of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it looks good until what? The storm comes. Until the suffering comes. And when the suffering comes, the house that's built on the sand crumbles. But the house and the life and the person whose life is built on the gospel of Jesus Christ, when the dust settles and the calamity that has maybe happened and the heartache, right? We live in a sinful world. I mean, even, even the world is turning upside down, right? With, with um, the natural disasters that we are seeing and our bodies will fail. And not only that, then people are going to persecute us. There's people in, I get an email every Friday about a Christian in another country who's being either martyred or arrested or something like that just because they're saying, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. But when the dust settles... And people begin to peer through the fog. The house that's built on the sand is on the ground. And the Christian life, who's built off the foundation of Jesus Christ, is still standing. Come what may, right? As the old say, hell or high water. Come what may, my life is built off the rock of Jesus Christ. And my inheritance is heaven. My inheritance, if I'm going to share in His glory, I'm going to share in His suffering, and even in the suffering, I, I believe that many of us will look back in the midst of the suffering and go, wow, God grew my faith so much during that time. He gave me so much strength, so much power. And I truly believe that even in the suffering, God begins to do something in us, and this supernatural spiritual growth happens in the pain and in the suffering. Because that's who God is. He's like, the world is going to fail. And people need to know there's something greater than this world that is living in you and I. And sometimes, only in the suffering, only in the broken clay jar, can people see the light. And we get to stand and go, you need to see Jesus in this. So I want to close service. I didn't do this in first service. I just feel kind of led to read this. I'm going to do something a little different as we close service here today. Then we're going to celebrate baptism and we're just going to get incredibly excited and it's just a, a monumental moment and I love it. But here's what I want to do. I want to ask if you would, um, if you would stand and I'm going to read this portion of scripture and then we're going to go right into worship and then we're going to go outside and celebrate baptism. But I was, 
led to this uh, few verses here in Hebrews chapter 11. And Hebrews chapter 11 is describing the Christians who have gone before us. And it talks about everything that they have walked through. And I think you and I, we can be encouraged by this because some of the things that are on this list are not all glory here on earth. But yet we can lean into it and we can experience what God has for us even in the midst of this. And this is what Jesus has to offer us. Right? He says, the peace that I give, the world cannot give. But the peace that I give comes from heaven. And we get to live into that inheritance right now. And so in Hebrews chapter 11, this is what it says. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth of David, Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, but foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead back by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they may rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned and they were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats and destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in the dens and caves of the earth, all these, though commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should be made perfect. That even through all of that, they stood on what Jesus had. And other people began to look around and go, wow, what you have is real. It stands the test of time. It stands suffering. It withstands it all. And we get to experience that in Christ as sons and daughters of him. And I pray that we're reminded of that every single day that God is with you. He's given you strength and power. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father. God, thank you so much for all that you have given us. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace, God. God, just as we read Hebrews chapter 11, that uh, we get to share in your glory. Yes, God, and we hold on to that. But we know that we will also share in your suffering, but that you would give us strength during that time, God, that you would give us peace that surpasses all understanding. And God, that you would get the glory for every ounce of suffering that every Christian faces here on this earth. And I pray that you would use it for your glory, that we would cling to you, God, that suffering would pull us closer to you, that you would give us strength and give us grace, God. I pray that you would help us to walk in our inheritance now as heirs and co-heirs in Christ, God. I pray that you would give us strength and wisdom for the day. And we love you. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Let's worship together.